Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode as we continue our Atlanta series here in the Bob Beckford Presidential Suite. When you're the big boss, you get the big room with the big view. Well, this is like a month worth of podcast. It is. I really hope people like this because this is coming out for a while. <laughs> it is. You just keep, keep out in the room. It's like it's a mega mansion or something. It's just a, a king deluxe suite. I, you know, but like, uh, I the same every time. I, I should have just like escalated each time. In towels, like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Excuse me, we have to pause for a moment. Bob's butler is coming in with his hot towel for his face so that he can sleep well tonight. I had a hot towel. Um, I, I have. I remember flying when they used to give you the hot towel. Oh. Did you ever fly on the airplane? You get a hot towel? No. I think it was on a foreign mission trip, and like you got the first time they handed it to me, I had no idea what I was supposed to do it's with hot, it. It's a hot. They handed it to me. I was like, "What? What, what am I? Doing? Why did you just put this in my hands?" What and then the guy next to me like starts wiping his face, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." So I just started wiping my face. I, when I was in, uh, when I went to Africa, yeah, in Nairobi, flew into um, Kasumu, and then we did uh, a trip in the uh, Masamara. Yep, and uh, the Land Rover came over the hill. And the guy had a little, like a bamboo steamer basket. Yeah. And he opened it up and took tongs and gave me the hot towel. Yeah. That was pretty great. Well, that's what Bob's butler just handed him. (laughs) He looked down on me because I'm not high class enough. But I'm just glad I get to be in here for long enough to record a few episodes with the boss man. Yeah. Well, hey, we got a great guest. I'm excited about our guest today. We do. This has been a lot of fun. This event is almost like you said, it's like like camp for associational leaders and replanters. And and so we get to hang out here and see some of the same faces each year. Some of our favorite people. And some of our favorite people. And so we have the blessing to get to record some episodes with those guys. And one of our favorite guys, Happy Huggy Halleck, Triple H, Mark Halleck. <laughs> Yeah, he's my co-author a couple books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just by law of averages, he's co-authored a couple books with you because he's written 75 books. Yeah. No, I, I I love Mark Halleck and I love his heart and his humility. Hold on. I got to... This Triple H thing is unbelievable. I mean, because I think like it was a wrestler. Yeah. Yes. With beautiful flowing blonde hair. Yes. But what's hilarious is like I think the first time we talked, like you threw it out there, and I thought, yeah, he'll never remember. Oh yeah, and you're just leading it. It's like this is who I am to you. Yeah. I am Triple H. And this this is so this is how I'm Huggy Halleck. When you become a guest on the podcast, you eventually get a nickname. That's just that's how it works. When you're a guest on the boot camp, I, somewhere we gotta we gotta come up with an. I like I mean, Johnny Rumbaugh is Johnny on the spot. Josh Dreyer is double doc because he has two doctoral degrees. Yeah. Uh, and so we find just ways to, love it, to get it in there. I love it. Man, we're excited to have you on here to talk about three of your 7,000 books <laughs> that, you, that you've written. But they're really beneficial books. So I, I joke, but also very appreciative because it's, it's good material that I recommend to people all Praise the time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope it's helpful. I it is. Helpful. It is. So you, you've got to – you have – Brought out the third in the series. Yep. That So walk us through the series yeah. real quick yep. so guys can know. And we'll put links in the show notes. Yeah, that sounds great. So 
basically started, uh, I guess, three or four years ago was when a, the book first book came out. So basically, this is a three-part series that we're just calling the Leading Re Church Revitalization Series. Replant Roadmap was a book I wrote, I can't remember, four or five years ago. They really kind of looked at some of the, a lot of the why, mm -hmm. a lot of the why talking about just the reality of churches are dying and counting the cost of that. If we're going to be involved, how can we help these kinds of things? Bob and I spent a lot of time working on a couple of books on partnership and, and uh, assessing your readiness. Am I a replanner? Things like this. This series is now getting into the nuts and bolts of how to actually do this thing. How do you lead, effectively lead church revitalization as a pastor? And so the three books in this series, the first book is called The Posture of a Godly Leader. And, you know, part of this was just thinking back through my own journey, honestly, and going, what are the things that, that I learned, either mistakes I made or things by God's grace that went well, that was unique, uh, not only to Calvary Inglewood, where I pastor, but other church plants we've seen be successful that have come out of there. And so it all begins really with the heart posture of the leader. And so that's where we have to start. And so in that book, we talk about the importance of six things, six heart postures, humility before the Lord, humility before others, love, a deep love for God and people. I mean, if you don't love the Lord and love people, you shouldn't be a replanner or revitalizer. Mm. Patience. What does it look like to be patient? In, in replant circles, we talk about tactical patience. Yep. And that's a big deal, man. Because if you are very impatient, you're not going to, this is going to be a hard ministry for you. Mm. And then uh, fourthly, look at faith, the role of faith, like actually having to live by faith and not by sight in this ministry. The fifth mark there would be passion. I really believe passion or zeal is really important in leadership. It's one of those things we don't talk enough about, I don't think, of how do you how do you light people up and actually help them? I think it goes back to kind of persuasion, like mm -hmm. biblical persuasion. But I think that's important. I think a lot of leaders can have a lot of stuff, the right stuff on paper, but they don't know how to lead with zeal and passion. Mm -hmm. I think the Apostle Paul, I think we can look at a lot of scriptures that point to that kind of leadership. It's the same reason why most people are drawn to any leader. Mm -hmm. is really passion and zeal. And then the last one is joy, the joy of the Lord. And so those would be those postures in that first book on uh, the posture of God. The second book, which actually came out last year, is called The Priorities of a Shepherd Pastor. And that book is really kind of talks about my favorite stuff, to be honest. So there's there's chapters on preaching, on the importance of prayer, because I am just so convinced in these conversations. If we cannot just assume prayer. And I, and I see I, I see a lot of folks, I've heard a lot of teaching about methods and methodologies. Here's what I know. We need the supernatural power of the Spirit of God to move. And we should not expect Him to bless us if we're not on our faces before the Lord. And I don't care how big your church gets. I don't care who you are. That is God's formula. That's what He wants. And so talk about the place of prayer and then shepherding. So shepherding, how do you develop a strategic shepherding strategy, not only a macro level strategy for the congregation, but on a micro level, which mm -hmm. I believe is not only the call of a pastor, it's, it is the thing that makes your church stickier than sticky. Yeah. And in smaller to normal size, church, size churches that aren't going to compete with the big boys down the street programmatically, what do we have? We have, we have shepherding 
that we can do on it. That doesn't mean, though, that they're going to do it. Right. But I do think it's biblically key to helping our churches get healthy and grow. And then this last book, so that's priorities. And this last book that just came out is called The Perseverance of a Faithful Minister. And it's dealing with, it's basically there's nine chapters, and I break it down into uh, three chapters under what I just call matters of the heart. And so that's looking at, well, let me just say this. These are nine things that I think are, are strategies. Can, we could add more. It's not exhaustive. But, but nine things that I think, if we pursue them rightly, will help us to persevere through the ups and downs of, mm-hmm. of ministry. I also think if we neglect these nine things, any one of them can take us out. Mm-hmm. And so basically, just as an overview quickly, the, the first three fall under what the heading I just call um, matters of the heart. And so we talk about, number one, cultivating a heart for long-haul ministry. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you actually cultivate a heart that understands this isn't an overnight thing, that this is going to be hard, a long obedience in the same direction in a culture that doesn't get long faith, long haul faithfulness. So that's number one. The second thing into that is rooting your, your, your life in ministry in the gospel. Mm-hmm. That if we are not rooted in the gospel, if Jesus is not our treasure, if our identity is not in Christ, I just don't see how you're going to make it in ministry, period, let alone make it in church revitalization and replanning. So what does that actually mean practically? And then the third one under matters of the heart is deals with your marriage and your kids. How do I first and foremost make sure I am loving and leading my wife and children with the grace of Jesus biblically? As we see more and more guys neglect their family, this is a big deal. This is really important. And it's qualification for elderships biblically. And so uniquely in church revitalization, how do we make sure they're our first ministry and they know it and they know we love them more than anything. And so talk about that. And then the next three are under a a second kind of part to this book is what I just call ministry challenges. And I just try to focus in again, there's so many things you can put under here, but the the three things that I think you've got to nail one is how do you face criticism in a godly way? Mm -hmm. So in other words, you're going to be criticized. And in some churches, you're going to be criticized a lot more than other churches. But that can be like kryptonite to a lot of us, to the point where if our skin is really, really thin, we, we're actually paralyzed by it. And so how do you get right perspective on receiving criticism from different types of people, right? There's different types of criticism coming from different types of critics. And and hopefully be able to, to not only, you know, kind of look at my own heart in light of that, but how do I deal with that? The second thing is dealing with conflict in a biblical way. And so I quote Bob several times in there because I think Bob's written really good stuff on conflict and criticism, but conflict in particular. But you've got to deal with conflict in, in, a, in a way that's not divisive. Mm-hmm. Being So we've got to be biblical. And how do you do that? How do you lead a church through conflict in a way that, you know what, there's going to be some guys who need to get off the bus probably. You've got to protect the sheep. At the same time, if you're the guy who just sees every hill as a hill to die on and you love conflict, you're going to blow up the church and it's not going to be good for anybody. So how do we deal with it in a biblical way? The third thing under that is managing your schedule. This is another thing I think is important for every pastor. But in church revitalization, I, I know with us, as we raise up a lot of guys in our residency, 
trying to figure out, man, how do I manage my schedule well, especially if I'm not getting a full-time salary. So a lot of our guys are bivocational. I've got a wife, I've got kids. I've got a lot of different things I could focus on in the church, right? Everything needs help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so how do I get strategic with my time and my energy for the long haul? So we're getting real practical there because if you can't manage your schedule, you're dead meat, man. You're just, you're going to get eaten up. So go there. And then the last part of this book is under what I call multiplying ministry. And there's three chapters in that. The first is on developing and deploying leaders. How do you begin to intentionally develop and deploy leaders in a church revitalization context where you don't have many people and you probably don't have many leaders, but how do you begin to change the culture of leadership development? So much of this, I believe, hinges on leadership development, giving up control, giving away building platforms of others, not yourself. I mean, these kinds of things in the church. The And then number eight would be the necessity of biblical pastors and deacons. We've got to, we've, especially as Baptists, man, we have got to get clear on our ecclesiology and specifically biblical pastors and a plurality of pastor elders is what we would call them and deacons. What is a deacon? What is not, what does a deacon do? What do they don't do? You know what are they not? And then the last chapter is on membership. If you don't do membership well and biblically, clearly, it's going to be hard for the pastor elders to know their role. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for the deacons to know their role. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I, I think this last section is really on the leadership, the ecclesiology of the church. We have to get it right. If we don't get that right, who cares about all the X's and O's? You know, Who cares about all the strategies? We talk about the why has to come before the what. Bob mm-hmm. says that. And that's so true. And I think in church revitalization, nobody gets pumped about ecclesiology. But we need to see that this is this is where God starts in the local church. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ordered rightly, um, don't expect this thing to grow in a healthy way. So that's a lot, and that's an overview of the book. But I'm really excited about it. I hope it's helpful, and I hope it's it's practical for readers. So is this made for guys to go through on their own in groups? I mean, what what's what's yeah. one of the best ways? Like some of our boot campers yep. hear all these things and like. First of all, man, that's like, it felt like a, like a seminary uh, semester class. Yeah. Like all of that stuff is like, bro, that's like a, that's a week yep. lesson. Yep. Like you could do, a, devote a week of study yep. every single yep. one of these things. Yep. So like walk me through as, as a replanter. Yep. If I'm out there, what, what are some good ways for me to use this material? Yeah. Well, one is I think just you reading it yourself. I mean, it's like, so with each chapter, you know, I put together eight or nine reflection and uh, journaling questions. I think we need to create space to read and think about these things. I really do. We've got to be readers. We've got to be readers. Uh, The world is out reading Christians. (laughs) They know stuff. And we've got to grow as readers. But I think also, when I say that, I've tried my best to write books that are actually readable. (laughs) Because people don't get overwhelmed, right? I mean, we're all busy. And so that's why these books tend to be shorter. The tone of the books is like you and I are having coffee. Very intentionally. I don't want it to be academic. I want to be very practically helpful. At the same time, get us thinking together. So I would say, one, if you're by yourself, do that. But I would say this is the exact material that I use with the cohorts through the Calvary Family Churches. So right now I've got two different cohorts, an online cohort where we have 20 guys around the country in various churches working through this material together. And so we get to, we read it, 
we, we come together and discuss it together. It's been incredibly beneficial, I think, and, and edifying. At the same time, we have a smaller group of five guys that are reading this at our church, and we're going through it too. So I always think anything you read, it's better to get with other guys and have discussion about it and to hear other thoughts and insight. I would encourage guys with, honestly, just find two buddies, read, set up a time. If it's not every week, every other week for an hour and a half and Zoom together and just talk about this stuff. You know, you can do that wherever you are. So there's different ways to use the material. But I think these are things that are important to think through. Now, I will say this. This book, every one of these chapters, there are way better books that have been written on each one of these topics individually. The problem is most guys aren't going to read nine, 400 pagers Mm -hmm. (laughs) on each of these topics. So this is a primer for sure. But again, I think learning often starts with primers. You know what I mean? And so I I would encourage guys to give it a shot. The other cool thing about this, I had a friend, Michael Morgan, who's a a professor. At the end of each chapter, he gives us a a historical picture, what we call portraits of perseverance of just key figures throughout the history of the church that lived out that particular chapter. So for instance, if you you don't know, Charles Simeon was a pastor who was criticized. It's an incredible story. He pastored the same church over 50 years in England. And man, you talk about this guy. I mean, literally, they they were throwing dead cats at him while he was preaching. I mean, insane, insane. Just read about Charles Simeon. I mean, yeah, this is another level. But it's to learn some history to, to partly to say, hey, guys, we aren't the only ones who have suffered. Yeah. We are not alone in this. We're in this together. This is hard, but there are those who've been gone before us. There are those even today that we need to link arms with, and we can do this by God's grace together. So so is there a particular order that the trilogy, if we you know want to work through them, can they, like a guy's... Because some of the yes. guys are going to be really drawn to the yep. practical thing yep. that yep. you just you know, outlaid for us totally. in the last book. Or they feel like, I don't know if I can persevere. Uh-huh. Do I just need to read the persevere one, yep. one yeah. now? They're all standalone. So that's good. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, honestly, I mean, they kind of build off each other. At the same time, they're completely standalone books. Mm. So, yeah, I would say this. If, if there's a guy I'm talking to and he's in the pit and he's like really struggling, he's trying to figure, feels overwhelmed, I would give him this third book. Mm. And I would say, but this... This is written to encourage you, but it's also help designed to help you think through some things that are going to help you get healthy again mm-hmm. and sustainable. A lot of, we get a lot of call. I mean, a lot of guys I talk to about shepherding, how to develop that shepherding strategy. So book number two, I give up all the time on priorities. So depending on where you're at and where your church is at um, and where your ministry is at, I, I hope that these could be beneficial as standalone books as well. And one of the things you said is that this is a primer into maybe some other things beyond that. When you do these cohorts, are these the only three books you're using in those cohorts? Or are you adding other stuff to that as well? Yeah, no, that's good. Well, to be honest, these books, actually, I typically don't have our guys read. I teach all the material from Uh, them. So they're not actually reading. No, no, no. So this is all the stuff that I teach. And so we supplement the teaching stuff with other books. Yeah, with other books. But what would be some of the other books that you supplement with? Well, yeah, I mean, throw out out a topic. I mean, it kind of depends on, on, you know, what we're talking about. But if you're talking about in perseverance in particular, man, well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, I would probably break it down into, you know, if you're talking about ecclesiology, like you're talking about pastor elders, you know, I would say 
you know, again, the classic book you need to read, even if you if you're not or if you're wrestling with the eldership thing, is Alexander Strauch's book Biblical Eldership. It's a classic that has been pretty convincing. It's pretty heavy, but I have our guys read that. Another one's called The Shepherd Leader, which is written by my mentor in my doctoral program, a guy named Timothy Whitmer at Westminster, which I think is a really important book. We have all of our guys read that. One, not only to understand biblically what is a pastor and what do we, a pastor is a shepherd, what does that mean? To know, feed, lead, and protect the flock. But then practically, how do you know, lead, feed, and protect the flock? So the shepherd leader is one we always read. Bob Thune is, has a book called Gospel Eldership that I would highly recommend. And what Bob does so well is he kind of, he looks at the heart of the elder and applies the gospel to the, in a very unique way that I think I think's really helpful. So those would all be be books among others that I can't think of right now that we would be reading on that topic. You know, as far as like just endurance in ministry and persevering in ministry, honestly, we read a lot of the Puritans. <laughs> Richard Baxter's the reformed pastor. I think part of this is is you've got to you got to help guys develop a theology of suffering. I think honestly, and so we're kind of out of the realm of just ministry stuff. This is this is theology now. How do you understand the providence of God in light of your suffering? Whatever that is, right? And we all experience suffering in different ways and in our families, health, these kinds of things. But I think sometimes you have to approach ministry as a form of suffering in some ways that the Lord wants to use to sanctify you. And so you're getting a lot deeper beneath your five ways to stay to you know stay positive. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there you're pointing out something that is missing is that the theology of suffering because most most guys will graduate and they think that getting their degree was suffering. Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. 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 So I mean, in some it, it, there's a level of suffering yep. that's in, involved in school. If you're working full time, you got a family and you yep. go to school and all that kind of stuff. But there's not that is a con, suffering in a controlled environment for the yep. most part. Right. If it's just academic, but there's so many levels of our lives in terms Amen. of suffering, relational. Yep. spiritual, all of those sorts of things. And so when I think of suffering, I think of second Corinthians one, mm-hmm. when Paul writes about the hardships that he endured in ministry. And so specifically, yep. we have to think about that ministry is not a cakewalk. And I think that's why your, your yeah. book on perseverance is, is important. I think that the, the suffering that we're hoping to guard guys from is the suffering from their mistakes. Right. right? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, I love the, the, there's well a, a, a meme on Facebook, and it's uh, I think it's a Mexican restaurant in Texas somewhere, and it says sometimes you experience bad things yes. basically because you're stupid and, yeah, and you yeah. make bad choices, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Where's that? My, like, my, my favorite one yeah. of that is everything happens for a reason. Yes, that's it. Sometimes yeah. the reason is you're an idiot. Yeah, you stupid make bad choices. Yeah, whatever version of that. So I think we need we need t-shirts for that. I, yeah, I really yeah. like um, But so there's that suffering, yes. which is like okay, that is like earned suffering like i right. just did something dumb and yep. i okay yep. but then there's the suffering that god uses for a specific person per, uh, purpose your sanctification or what second corinthians says well it says that yes yep dependent creating a dependency on god but also for the comfort of others that's right that's right and so that's where the full theology comes through yes and i don't know that in the midst of that suffering yep that you have that perspective no yeah it, it's not till after well, yeah, that's right. And I think, again, I've heard D.A. Carson say this years ago. He said, you've got to help develop a theology of suffering in your people before the suffering comes. Because yeah. when you're in the midst of the suffering, you're in survival mode. And if you aren't rooted in suffering, I think about that when my son got cancer three years ago. Mm-hmm. And how I, I remember that was the hardest trial of our lives as parents. 
And I remember thinking the night I'm in the hospital and just found out my son's diagnosed with cancer and it's severe going, okay, God, here's the test I've been working. I've been waiting for my whole life. Do I really believe what I've said? I believe what I say, I believe. And um, by God's grace, he sustained me and us in that, in our faith. But I think the same thing's true in ministry. Like this is where when we talk about counting the cost, we really mean you got to count the cost because this is not going to be a cakewalk. You know what I mean? And this is where I think also James, as you were talking about, you know, what does it mean to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? Well, the only way that you can consider it joy in the midst of trials, if Jesus truly is your treasure mm-hmm. above anything and everything else to the point where whatever the world throws at me, whatever these people throw at me, it can't touch this joy. Mm. And I'm going to keep loving you. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? It is a supernatural thing. I don't think there's anything more contagious in the life of a Christian leader than joy. Um, And so how do we get that joy? How do we see this is a lot of stuff, I think, and seminary can maybe help you begin thinking through this theologically, but this is the heart of the revitalizer. This is the stuff that if you aren't there beforehand, I would say to a guy, man, these are things you need to explore because when credit hits the fan, do you have it in your guts to, to enjoy Jesus more than anything? no matter what comes when mm-hmm. your when your son gets cancer or mm-hmm. are you going to be out you know and so anyway i think this is a good conversation the theology of suffering is really important so let me ask one last question one minute answer if a guy is listening to this and he is struggling to persevere and the idea of reading a book right now doesn't feel like the next step for him yep what would be what speak to that guy for well, well, here's what I would say. I mean, I'd say a lot of things. I'd say one is you need, you're loved by the Lord, mm. and He loves you, and you don't need to prove anything to Him. He is so pleased with you. He doesn't see you the way you even see yourself and how others see you. And so in, in basking in that reality, <clears throat> preaching the gospel to yourself, I think, is so important. I would also say this. I know when I feel so weak, I don't feel like reading. I need the word read over me. Yeah. And so I would literally say, find a version of the, uh, an audio Bible. There's different ways of getting it. And find some key passages that you can listen to over and over. You don't have the strength to read right now, but you can hear the truth of the word. And let the Spirit, brother, encourage you with the truth of God's word and just reign over your soul right now. Hmm. Because you need truth. Because Satan's lying to you. When Satan's lying to you, you're a failure, you're weak, you're a bad husband, you don't know how to lead, you're a terrible preacher if it weren't this or that, I mean, whatever it is, right? And the way to counter lies is with the truth. And so <clears throat> the other thing I would say is you, you, you've you got to reach out and find some community yeah. or some other pastors who you can just cry with and not be, feel ashamed because life's stinking hard and ministry is hard. And there are guys who want to love you and you need to let them love you in this time. So those would be some things that I would say right now. And I think those are things we all need to remember. That's good. That's a good word. And just so all of our listeners know, every time they buy one of these books, you make $75. Oh, man. You know, (laughs) yeah, I make a lot of money off these. No, actually, it all goes just back into missions. And and that's what I wanted them to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a needy child gets a hug. Well, so that's right. Well, that's dude, right. You'll do that whether. That's right. Yeah. Whether you buy the book or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, these books, literally, for Acoma Press, our vision, any of our books, for the most part, books I've written, Bob, others. Man, this is just to, to fuel the movement of church revitalization, church replanting and planning across the globe. That's it. This isn't our stuff to make money off of. Are you kidding me? This is the Lord's. Yeah. And so it's our joy to just resource and give away as much as we can for that purpose. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.